1: What's up? Jason Tatum here. Ball up wherever you are with NBA 2K Mobile. Play and game events to collect NBA legends and rising stars to assemble your dream team and settle things on the court. Download NBA 2K Mobile now on the App Store and Google Play.
0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Pick Aside Podcast. My name is Joel Moran, and I'm here with Jack Bartek and Rev. This is now episode 36. And in today's episode, we're going to be talking with Sidney Myers from Dallas Hoops Cast to discuss the Mavericks potentially moving up in the draft. Then we'll talk about signings in the NBA, such as Stan Van Gundy to the Pelicans and Daryl Morey to the 76ers. After we finish talking about the NBA, we'll move on to the NFL and talk about the Steelers, the Lions' playoff chances, Des Bryant signing with the Ravens, Seattle trading for Carlos Dunlap. The trade deadline and our top 10 NFL teams going into week eight. So, how's everybody
2: doing today? Can't complain. Another day filming podcasts. Yes,
0: sir. Gloomy. So, we're about to admit Sydney Myers into the podcast right now. Just saying we're live.
1: What is she, a Dallas fan? Yeah, she is. Really?
0: Yeah, she's right she's here right now.
1: Oh, so she heard me?
0: Yeah. <laughs> can you just speak so I could see if uh let me see. Hello?
3: Hey guys, how's it going? Oh wow. All
0: right. Let me see which one are you. Okay.
3: Yeah, I totally heard that. <laughs> 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 okay, uh, it's so it's okay. There's no shame in being a Mavericks fan.
1: No, I didn't say it was shame. I was just like I, I was just curious.
3: <laughs> I honestly don't
2: know if I've ever met a Mavericks. Me team. either. That's what I was yeah, I just hoping to do. in in this area, they're not very common, so it's cool to be able yeah. to. You know, it's been a it's been a wild decade. I feel like for the Mavericks, transitioning from Dirk and that championship team all the way to now, when you have Luca, Kristaps, and you're building towards maybe another championship contender. It must be a pretty cool fanhood to have had over the past decade.
3: Yeah, I mean, well, the Dirk part, yes, awesome. Two thousand eleven was awesome. After that, it's like it was kind of a roller coaster. It was a little rocky because, you know, they had the plan of always going after a free agent in the offseason, which meant they wanted to have contracts that were either expiring or they would just sign one year deals. And, you know, naturally you're not going to get a lot of good players like that. And so There were some pretty bad years. I mean, there were some years where they made the playoffs and they were kind of fun. Um, But yeah, leading up to getting Luca, obviously, if you have a top five pick, you're not a good team. So it was a little rough. um, But I mean, now having Luca, yeah, it's it's freaking exciting. I love it. Yeah,
0: that's some good luck. I'm a Knicks fan, so (laughs) I don't know that. (laughs) You guys have my star player, the player I put so much faith in, Kristaps.
3: Yeah, yeah, Um, that was uh, we totally robbed you in that in that trade. I mean, not only did we get Chris stops, but also Tim Hardaway Jr., um, Trey Burke, who the Mavs waived, but then now they have him back and might Mm. keep him this coming season. So yeah, that was a we won that trade. I mean, in my opinion, I know some Knicks fans feel differently, but it was a good trade for us. Knicks fans are idiots. So
0: I got a question: Um, (laughs) when that trade happened, were you ever high on Dennis Smith Jr. at all?
3: Okay. So when the Mavericks uh, drafted Dennis Smith Jr., he was touted as like one of the steals of the draft because they got him ninth and he was, you know, coming out of college, really dynamic. He was uh, this freak athlete. Um, And so I had for him, I was like, oh my gosh, this guy hes going to be so much fun. I mean, he, he plays a lot like Russell Westbrook, not on that level, but like, that's his style. And I was like, man, this is going to be so awesome. I mean, there were reports of like the Mavericks chest bumping in the war room on draft night. Um, So, yeah, there were high hopes. But for me personally, um, once the season started, we could kind of see pretty quickly that he wasn't what we thought that he would be. And again, this is my opinion. There are some Mavericks fans who still believe in Dennis Smith jr. And I mean, that's fine. I don't have anything against him, but just in terms of like what I thought he would be, you know, probably about halfway through the season, it was kind of like, okay, this guy, I thought he was going to be a rookie of the year candidate and he was not that. So I kind of realized it by the end of his rookie year. And then once Luca was drafted and they just didn't fit and Smith had these weird ideas about his role yeah, I uh, I lost faith in him pretty much <laughs> by his second season.
0: Yeah, I lost faith in him a couple games into the <laughs> Knicks season. Actually, when the first yeah. when the trade first happened and he had, like, a couple 20-point games. I
1: watched him get booed.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I was pretty high on him, but then going into next year, I thought our starting lineup was going to be Dennis Smith, RJ, Kevin Knox, Randall, Robinson. And for some reason, I thought that was a great lineup to put out there. You were optimistic. That's and, all it was. DSJ completely disappointed, and so did Kevin Knox. Like right now, I, I think both of them are pretty much trending towards being bust. In my opinion,
3: yeah. I mean, Smith. He well, first of all, I felt bad that he got booed. I mean, that's just wrong. Like it's just you just don't do that. I mean, I felt bad for him. Um, but I mean, yeah, he has struggled, and I think it's he. I think it's more the mental aspect of the game for him. I mean, obviously. Again, you know, he is a freak athlete. He's very athletic. Um, you know, shooting, it comes and goes, he's not he's not a terrible shooter. I mean, he's a he's a fine scorer, but I think the mental part of it of like running an offense, of knowing when to go, when to slow, those cliche things, how to use a pick, I think those things he hasn't quite figured out yet.
0: Yeah, pretty much. You said it all. <laughs> it's putting it funny. nicely. It's just funny, like
3: how to use a pick. <laughs> No, it's yeah,
0: that's an, yeah it's, that's an issue. Yeah, that's is an issue for a former ninth overall. That's an issue, issue for a, a point
2: guard. Now.
1: Yeah, no, you should learn by, by the NBA, you should have that down packed, at least <laughs> in some form or fashion.
0: Okay,
3: so. Yeah, uh, it's a, it's definitely a problem. But I mean, like, I've heard some NBA players that some of these guys that come out of college, they're only there for one year. And sometimes they just, it's not enough time to learn some of these things that, that take years to learn. But then you have guys like Luca who just get it. So To, to be
1: fair, though, when he went to NC State, he wasn't really taught much. He kind of was given the keys and just went out there and played ball, just went out there and just to score. He wasn't really taught the game because he didn't go to a high college with a great coach.
2: And he was the offense there. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So we're going to move off from Dennis Smith and talk about the Mavericks. So there's reports that they're trying to trade up into the lottery. And I don't really know why. I feel like they're pretty much at every position and they should use their cap space to probably sign another star. But in your opinion, what do you feel like is the missing position or piece for the Mavericks?
3: Well, one thing that they really need to improve is their defense Um, at their best This past season, they were middle of the league, 15th in defensive rating, and then they kind of fluctuated from there. Um, So they need to improve their defense. I think at least a top 10 defense, Um, and that could come at any position. I know that the Mavericks have been linked to um, these versatile wings like Danilo Gallinari and Tobias Harris. And I know you guys talked about Danilo Gallinari on who the Mavericks should target. He would definitely improve their offense, but I don't think he would improve their defense I'm not saying they wouldn't go after him, but it just surprises me they're linked to him. So, um, yeah, if they were going to draft a player, I would say that kind of player, a defensive wing. However, I read that report um, from Brad Townsend on Dallas Morning News that they were trying to trade up into the lottery. And to be honest, I think they they might use that pick, but I kind of think that they're getting assets to trade for a star because that was the report that they – are desperate to get a third star and so I kind of think that they're just willing to trade what it takes to get a lottery pick so they can use that asset to trade for a star
0: yeah because when I was looking at the draft prospects the only people that I, I thought that maybe the Dallas Mavericks are targeting them is probably Obi Toppin because I know Atlanta they want to trade out of the sixth pick uh, I don't know if they trade with Dallas after the how their last <laughs> trade went <laughs> But mm-hmm. if you guys can get the sixth pick, Obi Toppin is a is a likely possibility, and so is Tyrese Halliburton. And those are the two guys that I I think, you know, would would I'm, go well with the Mavericks. Tyrese I'm, Halliburton could be the other lead guard for
1: I'm them. I'm really not as high on Obi Toppin as everybody else. I,
2: I really like the Tyrese Yeah, I like the Tyrese
1: one. Though. I don't know about Obi, though.
3: Yeah, I um, I don't know. I, to me, like... There there are some gems in this draft, but no one is extremely excited about this draft class. There are some really good players, and you guys mentioned a couple of them, but um when I look at the Mavs and their history, they rarely trade up in the draft, like at least over the past 10 years, we'll say. Like the last time they traded up in the draft was to get Luka Doncic, and there's not a Luka Doncic in this draft that we know of. I mean other than that, the Mavericks have always traded down, including the year when Giannis was available at their pick, they traded down. So that's why this report of them wanting to trade up into the lottery, it just it doesn't fit the Mavericks unless there was a guy that was the next Luka. And I, since that guy isn't there, that's why I think that this is more just a smaller move that's part of a bigger play.
1: So do you have like a third star in mind? Like if you had to trade somebody, who would who would be the person you would take?
3: I mean, there's been a lot of like talk among Mavs fans about guys like Drew Holiday and Bradley Beal and Victor Oladipo, even Chris Paul. And I think all those guys would fit. I think that like, I think that's more Mavs fans talking more than any insiders. Like, I don't think the Mavericks, they haven't been linked to any of those guys. I would love to have Victor Oladipo or Bradley Beal. They're the kind of like, the kind of wings that the Mavericks need in terms of um, playing defense, but also being dynamic playmakers, because that's what the Mavericks really need is another playmaker so that Luca doesn't have to make every single play in terms of either scoring or getting the assist. So Oladipo and Bradley Beal, I love those guys. I don't think the Mavericks are actually going after them. Again, the two guys that I've heard that were in that report were Gallinari and Tobias Harris. And I think both of those guys fit too. They don't necessarily improve the Mavericks defensively, um, but they would fit into the offense perfectly because both of them are actually kind of the same player. When you look at them, they can make plays, they're versatile scorers, um, they fit into uh, roster spots you know, in the starting lineup that the Mavericks have, they fit into their system. So those two guys, I mean, yeah, even though they wouldn't improve them defensively, I think, yeah, they would be a much better team with one of those guys. I actually found
2: it really surprising when I heard this report about the Mavericks wanting to trade into the, into the top few picks to find the third star because you contrast that with the Hawks who had a similar report of how they were going to try and find the third star by trading out of their sixth pick. So I do like how you're talking about it might be a smaller part of a bigger move for a star. And two of the names that you said that I really liked were Victor Oladipo and Drew Holiday. I think, like you mentioned, they're missing a little bit of that playmaking but also defense, and both of those guys would bring exactly that. So I think that, like you mentioned, targeting a a defensive-centric player, maybe not defensive-centric, but a good defender would be the most important thing because I feel like they don't have that right now.
3: Yeah, I mean they have. So obviously Kristaps Porzingis, he can block shots. Um, they have Dorian Finney Smith, who is a very good defender. He's basically a three and D guy. They have some guys off the bench, um, Maxi Kleba, who has started intermittently. He's pretty good defender. I mean they have some of those guys, but for the most part, you're talking about Luka, Hardaway. You know these guys are not extremely dynamic <laughs> defenders and so yeah improving on that end would help but i mean it's like usually when you talk about a championship team so people talk about defense wins championships which is true um you generally would have to have like a top five offense and a top five defense i don't think there's a player that makes them instantly like go from 15th on defense to a top five defense Absolutely but if not. they can get into like a right. top 10 <laughs> defense and then pair that with an all-time great offense, I would take my chances with that.
2: Maybe Isaac Okoro if they were to move up. One guy that I was actually thinking of was a guy that you've mentioned a lot for the Knicks, Devin Vassell. Yeah, I was thinking of him too. Great three-point shooter, really good defender at his position. He's coming from Florida State. I love what Leonard Hamilton does down there, so you know he's going to be well-coached coming into the league. And I, I just think that he would fit perfectly into this lineup that they have.
1: Another guy from Florida State I was thinking of was Patrick Williams, versatile 6'9 forward. He locks down, mm-hmm. and he's athletic too. So I was thinking those three guys, Okura, uh, Williams, and Vassal, would be good pickups for the Mavericks. But
0: when, when I look at the Mavericks' assets, it's like they have the 18th overall pick and the 31st pick in this draft. I don't think that's enough to move up it's, into the lottery. Yeah. Maybe like late maybe the in the 12th. lottery. Yeah, maybe late, but not – Not enough to get a player that's actually going to make an impact right away. So when I look at that, they'd have to give up a player too. And I don't think the Mavericks have any players that I would want to give up. I would not want to move off of Dorian Finney-Smith or Kleba. The only person maybe I'd move off of is Jalen Brunson. It's like their only asset that I'd be okay with trading.
3: Yeah. So the report is that the Mavericks are willing to trade anybody not named Luca or Chris Stubbs. So mm-hmm. I agree with you. Like I love Dorian, Maxi, Seth Curry, Brunson, all these guys. I love them, but apparently the Mavericks are, they're in win now mode. And so willing to trade whatever it takes to get, whether it's they see somebody in the lottery that's just worth it or Um, just getting assets to trade for a star they're willing to do what it takes Um, which is another reason why I'm not so sure that they really are going to use that draft pick why they might just be using it to get assets it's kind of like like you know that story of that guy that traded a paperclip for something that eventually turned (laughs) into a house like these guys that they have maybe aren't worth a star but if they can flip them for a lottery pick and then take their three picks plus whatever players are left maybe You know, they can get a start with that and they call it a win. We'll see.
1: Do you agree with the mindset, though, win now mode with Luka being this young and Porzingis still being this young?
3: So it's to me, it's better (laughs) than the alternative, because what the Mavericks, like I was saying in the beginning, what they've done is always going after the free agent, which means that the regular season sometimes doesn't matter because they have guys like on one year deals. And and so when you talk about like going after Giannis in 2021, it's like, okay, that means one-year deals, expiring contracts or whatever. It's just, it's not a fun way to play. It's not a fun way to watch. So I think win now is great, obviously you don't make any irrational decisions. You don't do anything stupid, but you make the moves that are available. You get the guys that are available. There have been free agents available. There have been trades available that they passed on or, or, um, rookies that were available in the draft like Giannis that they passed on because they were always going after a free agent. So um yeah, you take what's available in order to win now. Um Luca being who he is, being as great as he is this early, I don't think you need to wait for anything. I don't even think you need a guy like Giannis because Luca is gonna be a top five player in the league. So I think it makes sense as long as they don't do anything stupid, which I don't think that they will um and so, yeah, I I don't mind it.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think we covered basically most of what this topic has to offer.
2: Uh, you guys like any have anything to add on to it? The one thing that I did want to add is I think a guy who they could target without even having to move up is somebody that I think has been super underrated throughout this process. I don't know if he makes it to 18, but if he does, I think it would be a great pickup. I know you'll know the name because as Seton Hall fans, we watched him a lot last year. Sadiq Bay from Villanova, mm. who I was surprised he left, actually. I thought he was going to stay another year.
1: I thought he was going to leave. but He's He, a was, he was a
2: top five three-point shooter in the country, a great three-point shooter, and... Arguably the best defender, he would take on tough assignments every night in the Big East. There was no days off, and under Jay Wright, you know he's going to be coached well coming into the league. They already had success with Jalen Brunson, you know, a Villanova guy coming in being successful. Mm-hmm. I like the fit, and you know, that's if they can't find a way to move up, have to pick at eighteen. I think that Sadiq Bay could be a guy that could come in and give an immediate impact.
3: Yeah, I. <sighs> I think if they don't move up into the lottery, they might even just keep trading down. Um, that's just a guess, again, based on what they've normally done. But I will say, if they want to trade up into a lottery or if they want to make some kind of trade, they have a way of always winning trades. And, I mean, you know that. We were talking about the Knicks trade.
0: Knicks and they—they,
3: <laughs> Yeah, and, I mean, Donnie Nelson, he's just good at winning trades. I mean, even if you go back before the Kristaps Porzingis trade, and look at some of the ones they made to get tyson chandler and raymond felton from the knicks they traded jose calderon samuel Dalembert wayne like ellington oh um you know before that in order to get darren collison who became their starting point guard they traded yon mahimi who was you know, really nothing at the time to get tyson chandler <laughs> the first time they traded <laughs> matt carroll eric dampier eddie nahara like they always have a way of winning trades, like just ultimately winning trades. And so if they want to do it, if they see something, then I know they're going to win that trade. And I know they're probably going to get what they want, whether that's, you know, getting somebody in the draft that they think no one else can really see the talent of, or if it's just using that to get a star player um, trades is like, that's what Donnie Nelson does. And so when I hear that report, I get excited about it.
0: Yeah, definitely. If you said it, they have a way of winning trades. So they'll probably win whatever trade they make if they decide to move up or if they decide to trade down. Yeah. So I want to thank you for being on the podcast and doing this segment with us. Uh, so you can find Sydney on Dallas Hoops Cast. It's on YouTube, right? I've checked out some of your videos.
3: (laughs) Yeah. So the site's Dallas Hoopscast.com. Yeah. And the podcast is Dallas Hoops Fancast. So you can subscribe to the podcast on apple Podcasts and spotify everywhere and then yeah we post the episodes on youtube the channel is dallas hoops cast and some clips too i like what you guys do how you post a short clips so i started doing that too and people really like uh, it i think because wow. not everyone can listen cat. to an hour-long episode which i get so yeah exactly yeah it's there too yeah I've, and then the science dallas hoops by the way i love y'all's show it's really great i love listening to it so this was a pleasure to be on thank you for having me thank, thank you. you thank you we where,
1: can, where can we wave she see us? The camera's
3: I right can
0: there. see all of you guys yeah. oh, yeah, We can't this, see we you yeah. yeah, It's weird because the computer in front of me yeah. Is the one that I can see you on So they can't see <laughs> you That's why you saw him peeking Because <laughs> he can't see you uh, That's funny and hopefully, okay, cool.
2: hopefully we'll talk again during the season And the Mavericks will uh, we'll be able to find that guy And make a little bit of a run Definitely, I hope so I'm uh, looking <laughs> forward to that
0: Alright, so thank you Take care
3: Cool.
0: I'll see you guys later. Bye. Bye. Okay. Now I'm just about to stop the recording. You ever notice
1: how our endings are so like awkward? Like it gets silent, yeah. and then it's just like, that's okay, the, that's bye. That's the
0: worst part about <laughs> Zoom. Yeah, bro. That, that that is the worst part about Zoom. It'd <laughs> be like,
1: okay, well, all right, Well, it's like a class. I think that's meeting, the I think that's
0: is. the worst part about just uh just having people on in general, because you're talking about a subject and you don't want it to go too long and Mm -hmm. forever.
2: You know that you have to stop it somewhere. And it's unfortunate because she was great to talk to you too. Like I would have, I feel like we could have done like an hour long. You heard the little
1: Texas accent. (laughs) I love y'all's show.
0: (laughs) All right. So we're going to go into our next topic now. Now I can stop looking at the notes through my phone. I was looking at it through my phone. (laughs) Look, expectations for the Pelicans signing Stan Van Gundy. (laughs) Stan Fangunny got signed by them. I think this is like old news. Like, what, When did it happen? A week or two ago?
1: Like four days ago, bro. No,
0: it didn't. It, did it happen four days ago? It
1: didn't happen a week ago. It, it
2: was in between four days
0: could Because we could have we talked about it on a show, and we didn't.
1: Yeah, I think it was like a day before. I don't think it was a week ago. I think it was like a day or two before. I
2: think it was after the last show with the three of us, but before the show with the two of us. Mm, but okay. we did all football on the show. It was just the two of us.
0: All right, so expectations for Pelicans after signing Stan Van Gundy, the major question, simple, how is he going to handle Zion and if they're going to make the playoffs? That's what everybody's wondering right now.
1: I think expectations was going to be the same. whether It doesn't, didn't matter what coach they had. I think expectations are still playoffs. I think they were trending the white way with Zion. They were, I think, 11-9 and 9 when he played. So you re-sign Brandon Ingram. That should be the first step, resigning Brandon Ingram, getting a few guys in, re sign Alonzo Ball, and then you run it back. You run it back with the same squad. I think the squad was pretty good. You had Derek Favors to anchor down defense. You had Zion. He was coming into his own Lonzo. You saw the defense. He's playmaking him and Zion have great chemistry. Brandon England was coming into that, that number one scoring star. Drew Holiday was still, you know, he was still kind of trending, but you've seen his role was still very key. I think you run the right way. You run the same team. You let Stan Fang on these first year be a lesson year, and then you just run it back and try to make the playoffs.
2: Yeah, and I don't know if they're going to be a playoff team in his first year. The reason I say that is because a guy who we actually just talked about in the last segment, I've linked to the Nets. I think he will be a perfect fit for my Nets. Drew Holiday, his name has been floated around in so many trade discussions. Everywhere, Are they going to give him up? I have no idea. I don't think there's any been, been any solid reports about him going anywhere.
1: I don't think but he stays, though.
2: if they do end up trading him, which I think would be a wise move for them, Because I don't think they're at that win now mode just yet, and they could trade Drew Holiday for some solid assets, add to this young core, and even if they don't end up developing every single asset, it would give them a laundry list of guys to go and make a push for a superstar like the Mavericks and Hawks are doing right now. They would just have so many assets. but. If they keep Drew Holiday, I think there's no reason they shouldn't be a playoff team this year. As, yeah, I agree. They bring back Brandon Ingram, they get Zion, hopefully at full strength all season. You saw what they did at the end of the season last year. They looked like a totally different team with him on the court. And if you can get similar production out of Zion Williamson, there's no reason they shouldn't be a playoff team in the West. Not only a playoff team in the West, but a team to watch out for for an upset
1: come playoff time. I don't know about Damn, that one. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> That's I, don't know. Tough. I had to stop. I don't know about that one, but I think they'll definitely be shooting for the 8th, 7th seed. The
0: reason why, like, I would love to pick the Pelicans to make the playoffs, but the reason why I, I, I'm not completely sold is because the West is is so stacked. You have Golden State coming back. Portland's probably going to be healthy. Phoenix is an up-and-coming team. Like, what team is going to drop?
1: Well, he, James Harden might get traded, so we might see the end of Houston. It's
0: very true. (laughs) But if he's not traded, they're still going to be there. Absolutely. I think it all just depends on Zion, if he's going to play or not, if he's going to play at that superstar level that people thought he's going to, which we think he's going to be. We think he's going to transcend. He's going to be coming to that player. But just in terms of Stan Van Gundy and what they're getting, I mean, the only losing seasons he had in his career was when he was with Detroit. And he made the playoffs with them one year. (laughs) <clears throat> but Detroit's always been kind of dysfunctional, dysfunctional. The roster was never built the correct way, and he made the playoffs with Detroit. And I feel like right now with the Pelicans, you have something to work with. Like there there are players there, foundational players, Lonzo, Zion, Josh Hart is there. You have Brandon Ingram, Derek Favors, like you said. I like Nicola Melli, whatever his Fresh name four, is. I like him too. I know his last name is Melly. I'm not, Melly. I'm not Melly. sure about his first name. Drew Holiday, like you mentioned. Nikhil Alexander-Walker, I feel like he can turn into a great player too. The reason I just can't pick him to make the playoffs is because the West is so stacked. It's just so stacked.
1: They're going to fight.
0: Unless Zion turns into year two, what Luka turned into year two, then I really don't see them
2: making a jump into the playoffs. That's the big question mark is what is Zion going to be in his second year? Is he going to... I personally think that if he can play the way he did over the last, what did he play, two weeks of the season before going into the bubble? Might have been more. I, I honestly think that they can be a 7th a si- a or 8th, maybe even a 6th seed if he plays to that level all year. But that's a huge question mark considering it's essentially his rookie year. Uh, he barely played last year. He's going to go through those growing pains that every rookie goes through, and I just have my doubts on what he's going to be in year two.
1: The questions obviously going to be on Zion, but I'm I'm I feel like questions should be asked on the supporting cast. How is Brandon Ingram going to improve his game more? How is Lonzo Ball also going to improve his game more? Jackson Hayes, how are the guys, not just Zion, but the other young guys, how are they going to come into okay, this is year 2, Zion's healthy. We know what we are, we know what we do. We got a new coach. What are we going to do? So I'm I'm pretty interested to see you got them like you said, the Suns, the Kings are still around. They're still a young team. You got but the they're Warriors. They're coached here. by Luke Walton. Yeah, he is terrible. So I kind of discount them. The and Warriors coming back. We got a lot of teams in the West. So it's going to be interesting to see who's who.
0: They have the 13th pick in the draft as well.
1: What do you think they'll pick?
0: I think Aaron small falls to them.
1: At 13?
2: Yeah, that would be a great value for them at 13. And it's just another case of building assets. And I
1: think if they get him, they're going to trade Drouhale faster than. Yeah, they most get him.
2: likely, and, and he can shoot. He I can shoot. shoot. I know he's when a lefty he was. Right? No, he's ready. He when he like was mentioned with the Nets, I was hearing that there was going to be packages of Spencer Di- Spencer Dimwitty or Karis Slivert and Jared Allen and the pick. That's a huge haul. God and, and to compare that to other, you know, if you're going to get that deal from or a similar deal from multiple teams. That's going to be a great deal to bring in probably three assets that you could use down the road.
1: I keep hearing Paul George to Brooklyn.
2: Paul George uh, for who? I heard that. I heard. I that keep too.
1: hearing that. I I don't know, but I, that's what I, that's it keeps swirling. Paul George to Brooklyn.
2: I don't know about that.
0: Yeah, I think that's a. I
1: don't know.
0: No, I I don't even think that's a bad fit. I just think that the Clippers would not do it. There's nobody on the Nets that. It would take Spencer for Dinwiddie for Paul George. And Caris Dinwiddie and Levert for Paul George. Dinwiddie I wouldn't and Jared, Jared Allen. Allen a pick. I wouldn't do it for Paul George. I wouldn't do I it for Paul George. I mean, it if, you realize,
1: if you realize, as the Clippers, if you realize this is not going to work and Kawhi's is going to leave, then I, I think, think you pull the trigger that would be faster than normal. The,
2: I think it would be great for the Clippers. I think they need a change. What's weird
0: about the Clippers is that Kawhi, if he leaves, it just makes no sense because he wanted to be in L.A. in the first place.
1: Well, his contract is up next year.
0: No, yeah, it is. And I think if they're not trending towards winning, he probably does. But That'd it's weird. Activated. Where is he going to go? Got a, they got a lot to figure out he this go. season.
2: Go to the Knicks. I'm, I'm sure Montrez Stop. is gone. Stop. They're going to have to find a playmaking guard. I know they were they, linked, They've they, actually they, been talking again, Rondo. to get Rondo. Yeah, which would be a big mistake if the Lakers let him go. But if they did, that would be a great signing for the Clippers. But they need to find a playmaking guard. They need to find a big. I know everybody hates the big position in the NBA these days. I don't know why everybody's trending away from a big, but you need a solid big man on your team because it's not like the big men have gone away in the NBA. It's just that some teams don't use them. But you look at guys like Anthony Davis, Nikola Jokic, you know, Joel Embiid, they still exist, and you're still going to have to guard them if you want to work your way to a championship. Carl Towns. I don't know if you'll he have to get through him to hand. go to a championship. But well, I'm just saying I'm know, big was, in the West, you know. Like, they're still there, and I think that, that was a big weakness of the Clippers last year, and it killed them in the Nuggets series because every possession, they had to throw a double at Jokic. Because Harold sucks. And he would throw the swing pass, and they shot the lights out of the ball. And that is what beat them is because they didn't have a defensive scheme except for double Jokic. So I, I feel like they have a lot of changes they're going to have to make to their roster I don't think that trading Paul George would be the worst idea considering the way things ended this past season. And I'm not even trying to hate on Paul George. It's just I don't know how much things are going to work out there.
0: I think his trade value is extremely low right now. Yeah.
2: So you, it wouldn't be, be the best time to trade him. Pennies on the dollar.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, considering what OKC got for him after an MVP-like season, they got they got a lot from L.A. It's not... It's not often when you find a great GM available on the market, but it Who's happened this time. Daryl Morey.
1: Oh, I'm sorry, you confused me. you Philadelphia.
0: About like... Philadelphia signed Daryl Morey, and I think this was a great move. P- people talk about how his first move in Philly is kind of trading Simmons because he can't shoot, but I think that's wrong. Like I think Daryl Morey isn't super fixated on these analytics, and well, he is fixated on these analytics. But Ben Simmons fits analytics. He's yeah, just not a yeah, great yeah, shooter. Yeah.
2: People confuse analytics for just shooting numbers when realistically it's not that. And Ben Simmons does so much on the floor. He assists analytics this, loves. I
0: think last year he assisted on the second most three point shots made. He's a great defender, one of the better perimeter. Ben Simmons defenders is a great player.
1: League. I think we can all agree he's a great yeah. player. He just doesn't want to shoot the he's three just ball.
0: a I think Ben Simmons is a great player, but he,
1: he's a liability. He's not
0: a superstar. He's not a star player. Uh, he's a role role player to oh, role role whoa, to great player.
1: Whoa! I I yeah, I consider a,
0: a, a star. No, I, I don't think he's a star because okay, do you think Ben Simmons can be the first or second best player on the championship? Yes, yes. I don't not the think first. so. Not the first. I think he I could could definitely second. be the I second. I think I think Ben Simmons is is Draymond. He needs a he oh needs He needs a Clay and Curry. He needs a Clay Draymond and Curry. was a star whoa. at a point in his life. Draymond, yeah, but he was a star, but. You could be a third that, that's star. That's what I think Simmons is. Simmons is a 16-8 eight, and 8 guy. He's not a
1: 25-8-8 guy. I think he can be a 20 to 25-8-8 eight, eight guy listen, though. Listen,
2: I have been one of the biggest so. critics of Ben Simmons that you can find. And when it comes down to it, I think that 2 years ago after the net or during the Nets playoff series against the 76ers, Jared Dudley hit the nail on the head and got killed for it. In the half court, Ben Simmons is An above-average player. He's an above-average player in the half-court, but on the fast break, defensively and and playmaking-wise, he is one of the best in the league at those three things. And I think that qualifies him to be a star. When I say role player, I don't mean it in the the way that you guys are
0: taking it. What I I meant it, Chris Middleton. Can we agree he's a, like, a role player. He's he's playing a role to a superstar to can you, win.
1: Can you use a different... All right, can you just use a different word? <laughs> like, I feel like role players really just... Dope, like, it's just discrediting these players.
0: When you talk about Giannis, you, you, who his, we say his role players have to step up. That includes kick. Middleton. I think... Yeah, I think Ben Simmons is a role player, sidekick kind of guy. He can't be the best player on a championship team. And I don't think he can How beat can the second best How can you say that,
1: though, either. at 20—he's 20, 23. How can you say that that early, Because
0: though? when we—when you've seen players in the league for a while, you kind of know what they're going to be. He's a better Draymond.
1: That's pretty tough. You he's a
0: better—yeah, Dr- Draymond's a great player, but he's a role player.
1: So you mean to tell me, hypothetically speaking, if he gets a jump shot, he can't be the he's best He's not gonna get a jump shot. I'm saying hypothetically, if he gets a jump shot, even if he gets but a we mid-range have to, if he gets a mid-range and a post-up, he can't be the second best But we have to team. stop
0: saying that. It's been how many years he's been I in the league and he doesn't have any of that. He's I 23
2: think, though. I think right it doesn't now matter. I think right now, without the jump shot, he could be the best player on the on a championship team. Oh hell but, no. But, I, didn't <laughs> <say that>. but, <laughs> I didn't say that. But I didn't say that. The team needs to be constructed the right way. And it, it depends. So Let's just go crazy that. here. Let's go crazy here. Let's rewind time to last season. Say instead of trading for Russell Westbrook, the Rockets went out and traded for
1: Ben Simmons. They would you be, don't they think would they, they be could better.
2: have been? A, and they didn't trade Clint Capella. They couldn't have been a championship oh, team. Hell no, Clint but Capella I, and I Ben think, Simmons. I think you
1: still need to trade Clint Capella, but I think they would have been better or, or, with Ben okay, Simmons. They if
0: wouldn't they have tra- been. A cha- they lost. they would
2: have lost, they would have lost to LA. If they traded Clint Capella for yeah. a, a a big man that could shoot. Because I think that not having a big man hurt them last year, but then again, Ben Simmons could have really helped out defensively with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. But I think Houston that- lost
0: because they left Westbrook open. They, they they do that to Ben Simmons, leaving Simmons open. Yeah, but the problem is, is Westbrook is way better than leaving. Westbrook, Westbrook thinks
2: he can shoot. Ben Simmons <laughs> knows he can't shoot.
1: But, <laughs> what, is but
0: what, 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 what is? But what is Simmons if he's there? Defensively, he he's
1: the he's literally he he will literally make your team ten times better than when you had Westbrook. No, he, he
0: is a great defender, but and I don't think he can ruin, be. A he's, he's, even, he's even he a better, can better be the best five player
2: on a championship team.
1: I mean, if you play Ben Simmons, uh,
2: uh. Ben Simmons could have honestly played the five. P.J. Tucker could have moved to the he's four. He's a better five than James Harden could have ran the point guard. And what would have happened when he matched up with AD?
1: He guard him if, if, better than P.J. Tucker. He, I'm he sorry. Could,
2: he could have at least slowed him down He he,
1: he would be able to guard LeBron better than any job y'all were doing at the moment. And when you look at playing. it,
2: when you look at that series, I think personally what killed you most was the possessions that Westbrook wasted. Whether it was turnovers or bad shots, he really hurt you guys late in a couple of games yeah, but that we, ended up killing. We say this like we haven't seen Simmons in the playoffs. That is he, true. He's bad in the playoffs. That's a fair
1: offensively. Point. That's a fair offensively. Point. He's bad offensively. But again,
2: like Riff said, he's 23 years old. I'm still going to give him I I have not given up on Ben I Simmons. I think whatsoever. I've already seen the player that
0: Ben Simmons is. He's a facilitator, we'll a great defender. He's not an aggressive scorer, and that's fine. But I think they can build around Simmons in the way that you just bring in shooters and Darryl Morey does this thing. I mean, in 13 seasons as a Rockets GM. He has eight straight playoff appearances. It could be because of that man James Harden, Fear the Beard guy. He has zero seasons He was se- there
1: for 13 seasons.
0: Yeah. Okay. He has zero losing seasons as a GM in Houston. They were the top 2 offense out of 3 years, 3 times in the past 4 years. And he's not complacent. He's made 77 trades in 13 seasons as a GM. So he's going to he he knows how to make trades. He's going to always try to get teams better and now Philly has Doc Rivers, they just got Sam Cassell. Um he's their <laughs> assistant. Daryl Morey's running the operation, so he knows what to do.
1: I'm just I'm I'm not overly optimistic like you cuz I've seen him fail. Um you think that's failing? What? Now I'm winning a championship?
0: Uh Golden State was in their prime. I don't think just because you don't win a championship that's failing. I, okay. He's
1: I, failed I, James Harden. Yeah, okay, I want to say that. He's failed James Harden. He hasn't necessarily – let me not say he's necessarily failed at this think I, I don't want to jump to conclusions because they still have Doc Rivers. So I want to see what's his next movements and what he's going to do for the next couple months with Ben Simmons and Embiid before I make my final judgment. But I do want to say this is the first step in a good move. You're bringing in a guy who knows how to make the playoffs, and know how to make moves. I mean, he's not a Bob Myers, but, you know, he's somebody, so I think
2: I think that you hit the nail on the head when you said he's not afraid to make moves. He's not complacent, and I think that that was the most important thing for the 76ers because, you know, you look at what they've done the past two or three years, and although they haven't been complacent, some of the moves they made have been very questionable, and I think that a move like giving Tobias Harris, the contract that they gave him, was kind of – you struck out, and you know now you're just making a move to make a move sake, and I don't think that that's something Daryl Morey does. I think he's very calculated in the moves he does make. And one of the worst parts about the 76ers roster is they're in cap hell.
1: That's that's what led me to, I had a question because he's walked from cap hell in Houston to now cap hell in Philly. So now you got big contracts like Al Horford. Tobias Harris, you got Josh richardson contract. So what is he going to do? That's and, true, and but to be was, fair... he was
2: in Capel in Houston and still found a way to reconstruct the roster, although it didn't to, work out with Westbrook. You know, he knows fair, how to operate under those circumstances. To be fair,
0: Philly has a much better roster.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. much better roster. Yeah, that's true. But I, I don't think... no. I think they, you can all agree, Al Horford's time in Philly is done.
2: Yeah. They Al, have to find, Al, a, have to find a way... I mean, I I know it sounds like a perfect world situation, but if you can get Al Horford and Tobias Harris off the books, you immediately jumpstart. You have cap for another guy.
0: (laughs) I'd rather get Al Horford and Josh Richardson and keep Tobias.
2: The only problem is I just feel like you're paying Tobias Harris way too much for the production he's giving you, and he's going to be on the books until 2024. Yeah, I agree with
0: you, but... You think Simmons can be the best player on a championship team. You do think So, that. Tobias just has
2: to be a role player. That's what he is. I said he could be the second best player on a
1: championship team. No, 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 no. No, nah, no, you no, said no, 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 no
2: first. We have to film. You said it first. You said if first. I did say that, it was a mistake because I meant to say I think he could be the second best you player in a champion championship team. you think
1: Embiid can be the first or no? I don't think Embiid can be the best player in a championship
2: I, team. And I, I think that. Right now, Embiid could be the second best player on a championship team, but that just means you have two guys that can be the second best guy.
1: I just don't think centers like that anymore in this league can be the best player in the championship team.
2: And, and it goes back to again, I say this so much in arguments, but I think there's like seven guys in the league that can be the best player on a championship team, and it's going to be so hard to get one of them. So you have to hope that one of these two guys could develop into that, or unless he shade for Harden, maybe you go out and make a move for James Harden which I think would totally Jordan, change the landscape of the Eastern would Conference. would go and beat, right? And maybe if... Because if, they're not accepting It depends, because I don't have analytics
0: in front of me. Daryl Morey has way more analytics, so if, he's, if it shows him that the analytics show Simmons would work better than Harden, he's going to make the best move to accompany James Harden.
2: I think that, surprisingly, both of those two players could work with James Harden in two totally different ways. Because Joel Embiid can offer something that was never that he never had in Houston—a big man that can defend really well, but still space to the floor and shoot it—and you know, Joel Embiid loves to shoot the three-point shot, and it's sometimes, you know, to to a bad extent. And I think that it would be a good fit in that sense. But then Ben Simmons can also be. Um, I don't want to say smarter Westbrook, but a more self-aware Westbrook where he's not going to waste away possessions on bad shots, but he's going to be able to facilitate and defend better than Westbrook while also adding another great ball handler to that lineup and taking away some of that responsibility from James Harden.
1: It it also depends on also Doc Rivers' system too. I think we're forgetting that. What system is he going to be able to play? Uh, Because I think that's going to, either benefit or hurt, either Ben Simmons or Embiid. So whoever guy they keep is going to have to run a Doc Rivers-like system.
0: Either one will be better than Brett Brown's. Absolutely. So that will make a better – they'll be better in that aspect. But
1: will it be better than Mike D'Antoni's?
0: No,
2: absolutely not. I I really do like the move for Maury, though. I think he was a great candidate for this job. I think they are a team that needs to make some moves. Otherwise, I don't see them going anywhere because this current roster construction – While it can be very, the ceiling is super high for this group, but I just don't think that they're ever going to hit that ceiling. And I think that they need to make moves in order to make a run for the Eastern Conference, and Daryl Morey, like you said, is not going to be afraid to make those moves. Yeah. So that's going
0: to do it for a basketball portion of the podcast. Now we're going to head into football, my favorite sport that I like to watch and talk about. So the first topic is, are you in or out on the Steelers being the best team in the league? So Riv, tell me first, are you in or are you out?
1: I'm out. Only because I think the Chiefs are the best team in the league. But it's not a bad thing. You know, I, I think the Steelers are definitely top three. I think they're behind Tampa right now, especially now that they're about to get AB walking in. So I think I have the Chiefs, Tampa, and then the Steelers. I do think... The Steelers are very formidable, though, and they can put up a matchup against the Chiefs, but I have the Chiefs as the best team of the league.
2: How about you, Jack? You actually stole what I was going to say, and I was going to say it might be a little bit of an unpopular opinion at this point in time because the Chiefs have looked human this year, but we saw what they can do last year, and they only added to that offense this season. And, you know, if you're asking me what I think based on what I've seen this season – the Steelers have been the most impressive team in the league to me. Maybe you could say the Bucks; you could make an argument, but they had a slow start. The Steelers have been really great all year long, even after losing Devin Bush. I said that was a concern for me when he went down. They didn't miss a hit, they didn't miss a beat against a really good Titans team. So they have impressed me more than anybody in the league. I think they've been the surprise of the NFL so far. But I can't bet against the Chiefs, especially come playoff time. They have Patrick Mahomes, who I think is the best quarterback in football, even as well as Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers or anybody else has played. Patrick Mahomes is still that dude. That offense only got better from last year. And you saw what they did in the playoffs. Although at times they might not look like the best, when they turn it on, there's nobody in the league that can stop them. The Steelers aren't the best team. The
0: Chiefs aren't either. But the Steelers aren't either. I know who I'm, you're going to say. Out. I'm out on the Steelers being the best team in the league. Yeah, I'm going to save it for the power rankings. Who's I, gonna be I, I already know who he's going to say. But I think the most successful team right now in the regular season is the Steelers. Absolutely. Well, you can say that because they're, they're the yeah. only undefeated team left. They're sixth in defense, six in offense in terms of scoring. They're first in yards allowed, third against the pass, first against the run. Big Ben is having one of his best seasons in in a while, and a rookie is leading them in receiving, Chase Claypool, and I think that's the they they found their number one. I think Claypool can be a number one, and I always thought Juju fit into that number two receiver the best. We've seen it last year when he was he was forced to be the number one. He he had a really down season. He was even though he teamed a lot. He was her. Eye. That's what happens when you are number one. They though. didn't really have a,
2: a very formidable number
1: two. I mean, it's I easy see. to say Claypool could be the number one when now you have two, three guys running out yeah, there, so Deontay you can't Johnson double team. Has you know, so
2: much better. And Juju, yeah, yeah. But I just
0: when when I see Juju, I don't see a number one.
1: Oh, that's understandable.
0: Claypool, his physical tools, how fast he can yeah. run, how tall he is.
1: I think the same. How age, strong so.
0: he is. I think he can be a true number one, but the Steelers. I just they're not the best team like i said they're the most successful and i also feel like their competition this year has been really really bad i mean the only the toughest team they faced were the titans and the toughest teams they're going to face going forward are the ravens twice mm. and the bills and that's it so that means you had four tough opponents all year you know cuz i don't count the browns as a tough opponent especially to the steelers i don't it's when a when a we're talking rivalry about game, this though. I don't. I don't call them a tough opponent. I count.
2: I I count them as a tough opponent.
0: The Bengals. I yeah, don't okay, count as not, a tough yeah, opponent. Not, uh. But let me just go here, because I only wrote down the tough <laughs> opponents that they have. But look, just look at the schedule that they've had so far.
1: I think we talked that's, about how bad yeah, their I, schedule. Yeah, that's are.
0: been the biggest knock on them. Got to win. So they they beat the exactly. Giants. Not tough opponent. Not a tough opponent. The Broncos, the Texans, the Eagles, the Browns, the Titans. What the hell was that supposed to mean? The Ravens. Now, next up, they got the Cowboys, the Bengals, the Jaguars, the Ravens, Washington, Bills, Bengals, Colts, and Browns. Well, their their schedule That whole
2: season is pretty easy, except yeah, for the Ravens twice. Got to win have them. The Titans. Like but, I'm
0: not sold on the Colts. I'm not sold on the Browns being a, a team that can compete with the Steelers because I think the Steelers are an elite team. I think the Colts and Browns are are good teams, but when we're talking about good versus elite, I I just don't count that as very good competition.
2: Uh, I'll say this, though. They have looked elite regardless of competition. Like you said, I believe they're first against the run or first against the pass, third against the run. First against the uh, run, third against the pass. Which is insane, no matter who you're playing. And you contrast that with a team like we've talked about a bunch of the Buffalo Bills, who haven't played a great schedule, but two times they've played the Jets, who are far and away the worst team in football right now, and they haven't impressed me. The Steelers, regardless of their competition, have come out, and and I was anti-Steelers at the start of the season. I'll be the first to admit it. They have been super impressive, and I think the most impressive thing has been Ben Roethlisberger coming off Tommy John surgery. I was incredibly nervous. I I don't want to say nervous, but I I wasn't sure what to expect from him coming coming off the majorly impactful elbow surgery. Mm -hmm. He's come out and been... Ha- having one of the best seasons of his career so far. So,
0: if we're being honest, the Ravens were supposed to run away with this division. That's yeah. what everybody predicted. We thought the not Ravens me. were going to be undefeated. Not, I guess, not you, uh, but a lot of people it was a had the Ravens as favorites, not only in their
2: division, but in the AFC in general. Granted, their only loss so far has come to the Chiefs. So, you know, honestly, well, I, I that's, why, like that's I... why this game is going to tell me a lot.
0: The Steelers versus the Ravens. Yeah. It really depends on how the Steelers do against them. Maybe they move up a spot. You know, maybe they move yeah, up a we, spot and they okay. get
2: to that first spot. I do think it's interesting though how, and I'm guilty of it myself. And I think a lot of it has to do with the playoffs last year. But we look at the Chiefs who were so great last year, ended up winning the Super Bowl. They have looked human to start the year, but everybody still feels the same way about them, myself included. But the Ravens who had a great season last year, granted they don't perform in the playoffs they're 5-1 and one right now. The only team they've lost to is the Chiefs. But I feel like a lot of people are forgetting about them. As a as a real competitor, one of the better teams, one of the possibly top five to ten teams in the league, and almost no one's talking about Well, they about
1: didn't play them. anybody either, really. They played Texans. They played the Washington Redskins, well, football team. They played the Bengals, and then they beat us.
2: And that's the curse of their division. And both
1: in the, in the Steelers and Ravens both blew out the Browns.
2: Outside of their division this year, the AFC North. Yeah, when you're facing Doesn't the NFC East, it's yeah. gonna
0: be a cakewalk. For being honest, but
1: you I, think I, it'd be a cakewalk for the Jets since you love to throw that little funny thing in there? We wouldn't. <laughs> we wouldn't be.
0: We wouldn't be with zero wins right now. That's for sure. You definitely wouldn't. <laughs> have zero I, don't know
2: about that. I I will say though, I am sold on the Steelers. I think they're a top five, if not top three, team in football right now, but. I still can't say they're the best team in football, and that's no knock on them because I just I can't have anybody you know dethrone the chiefs unless the chiefs start to crumple and I don't sure. think the chiefs have done that yet, even with a loss.
0: The team we're going to talk about next is the Lions. I don't know if you got saw if you guys saw the game on Sunday, but the Lions got extremely lucky to win that game. Todd Gurley was supposed to not score. There's video of Matt Ryan telling him not to score, not to score. And Todd Gurley scores, you can debate on whether that was on purpose or by accident. If you're asking me, I thought that was kind of on purpose, because he should have dropped. You ran about six more yards to score that touchdown.
2: I will say, I felt the same way at first. I saw an angle of it, though, from from the sideline. That somebody pushed him. He got pushed, so maybe he did lose his balance,
0: but it looked either way. It looked like he did it on purpose, but okay. The Lions, with under a minute left, Matthew Stafford—he's clutch. He threw a touchdown to T.J. Hawkinson. Hawkinson, <clears throat> Matt Prater made the game-winning field goal, the extra point, and they won a game. The Lions usually lose these type of games, but the the Falcons are so cursed that they ended up losing it. <laughs> They're now sitting at three and three, and a lot of people are wondering. Nope. Are they going to make the playoffs? Can they make a playoff push right now? They just no. traded for Everson Griffin. No. So you don't think they have a chance I'm at
1: look, all. I'm looking, <laughs> the teams are in front of them. Green Bay, Seattle, Tampa, Chicago, Arizona, the Rams, Saints, Niners. And then, of course, my division.
2: And considering the wild card, you're almost guaranteed to get two playoff spots out of the NFC West. So Yeah,
0: if they, if they had to catch up to somebody there, that's first things first. I mean, in my opinion,
1: and the Niners are starting to get healthy, and they're starting to win.
0: Yeah, they—they, they, I think they are healthy. And now. All four of the teams in that except division, except for like Raheem shook. Mostert, yeah, he
2: all he four of hurt. those teams in that division are playoff-worthy teams.
1: <laughs>
0: With me, I, I love the Lions. I love Matt Stafford. He's one of my favorite quarterbacks.
1: It's not looking too good for them,
0: but I think they're one of the They're one of the better teams in football in terms of talent. Talent. Mm-hmm. Their coaching just isn't there.
1: Is it Matt Patricia? They do
0: yeah. They do great in the first half. For some reason, when they get a lead, Matt Patricia goes into this soft zone and then he runs the ball more on first downs and they end up losing in the second half. But the Detroit Lions, they're three and three, and I feel like they could easily be four and two or five and one right now. Every single game that they've played, they've had a double-digit lead in that game against the Saints, against Green Bay. They should have beat Chicago if DeAndre Swift didn't drop that pass. They they should be 4-2, and, and and I feel like that's a common story with the Lions. Last year, the same thing.
4: Should be, they should, should
0: have be. been 4-1 and one or started out. They could have realistically started out 5-0. Oh. I always say this about the Lions, but it just rings true. They have the talent to compete, and they show it every single week that they can compete with any single team. But when I look at the schedule, I just don't see that they can get up to nine or ten wins, which I think is what they're gonna need in order to make the playoffs.
1: And with this like with this gauntlet NFC, because NFC is deep, dude, I just don't see like, and that's not a knock on Detroit to not make the playoffs. They're a talented team, like you said. And if they were in the NFC East, they would have they would make it. Yeah, probably no, probably because they're talented and they were a little banged up in the beginning of the season too. But looking at the teams that are ahead of them, I just don't see with the Niners getting rolled, Saints are starting to get healthy, you got the Rams, Arizona's starting to win, Chicago's still in the race. I just and Tampa Bay is starting to get healthy, so I just don't see them catching up to anybody. It's
0: not Yeah, I agree. Uh, before, sorry, for, sorry for interrupting no, no, you no, off, but right. even like but the teams that they're gonna face, the Colts, they're a good team. It's not
1: a walking game.
0: The Bears, they're a good team. The Packers, they're the they're Titans. Cool. The yeah. Bucks. Those those are five hard games. Very hard If game. you lose those five, you that's eight losses.
2: If you lose right two there. of them. You're and, still gonna be you're gonna be stuck. And I was gonna say, I think that what's really gonna come back to kill them is DeAndre Swift not catching that pass. Because if you tell me they're four and two right
1: now. They're in front of San Fran.
2: I think that India Indianapolis, Minnesota, Washington, Carolina, Houston, and Minnesota again are all games they can that they can very I shouldn't say very easily and win, but They, they can, can easily Chicago. win those. games. I think
0: against Washington and the Vikings twice, and the Texans they should.
4: They,
0: they're easily, they're favoring winnable games. Yeah, and the then,
2: Panthers is probably a toss up. And then the Panthers, mind you, the Panthers and the Colts, right them the too. Panthers and the Colts, those would be tough games. But I think that they're evenly matched. Their their games they should be right and, in. And the Bears as well. Absolutely. But even the Bears though, I think the Bears are. are well, they, I I the I'll give the Bears with, a
1: slight. What, Mitch? No, the Lions oh, they almost lost beat them. that game. I mean, they lost the game and Mitch was playing, right?
0: Yeah, but the, the thing about it is that when you look at the Bears, it's not even Mitch or Foles. Even though I think Foles is better, it's at this point it's kind of Matt Nagy's play yeah. calling
2: that's really hurting them. And that and that's a they have a really great defensive unit there. That's going to be a December matchup in Chicago. Always a tough place it's to so play. Cold. A divisional matchup, going to be a dog fight. And then after that, you have Green Bay, Tennessee, Tampa Bay. So mm-hmm. right now, you know, I'll I'll say I could see them getting to nine wins. And if you had given them that 10th win over the Bears, I think 10 wins could have been enough, especially if you had beaten the Bears once and maybe could clinch that tiebreaker between those two. You would have a real shot, but I think that Bears loss is really going to hurt them down the stretch. Even if they rattle off, you know, one, two, three, four, five six wins in a row here, then you get Chicago, Green Bay, Tennessee, Tampa Bay, and finish off with Minnesota. But in that tough stretch, you're going to have to pull off one, maybe even two upsets to be a playoff team. And with, like you said, Matt Patricia coaching, I I liked him to start, but he really hasn't improved at all as a head coach. I don't think he's the right guy for the job. And players don't like him. Exactly, exactly. The one
0: thing I'll I'll give to Matt Patricia, and this is – this is—I I think that he is a bad coach, but I don't think he's as bad as Lions fans make it out to be. Yeah. Because when I have a head coach in Adam Gase, because we're both Jets fans, <laughs> we can't even move the ball. Like yeah. we can't even move at the least, ball.
2: At least they get leads.
0: Detroit. At least they're competitive. They yeah. lose in heartbreaking fashion, but
2: they're competitive. they are
0: there. Yeah, we are not there they at just, all. They
2: just can't hang on to a lead. Which I think is going to really hurt them come those tough games. They're going to have to pull off an upset because all those teams have a potent offense. And you're going to have to find Matthew a way Stafford, to stop it. Man. So I, I think they have playoff talent. What hurts them most is the rest of the league has been, or the the rest of their conference, I should say, has been so good this year that they would have to be realistically a 10-win team to find the playoff spot and they would really have to pull off some surprises to get to that.
1: That might not even yep. be enough.
0: Exactly, exactly. A move that happened. So I love my division, man. A move that happened is Des Bryant signed with the Ravens officially. <clears throat> he was on a practice squad, but now they officially signed him. I think he started practicing with them already. I saw
1: pictures of it today. He's been practicing with Lamar all summer.
0: Mm. So how much of a difference do you think Des Bryant is going to make for the Ravens?
1: I think it just depends on how is he going to come back. You know, he hasn't played football in, what, damn near two years? If
0: if you're – give me your opinion. Do you think that he's going to come back at least like his old self? <laughs> like, or can he come back and be a, 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 a number two wide receiver? Like That's a better question. Okay. Number. His number one is a little bit of a stretch at this point in his career.
2: Ooh. Uh, you look at you look at his numbers, and the last time he played in 2017 with the Cowboys, he put up six touchdowns, 838 yards on 69 receptions. Like that's really good production from a wide receiver, and at 31 years old, not having played in the league for three years, I just don't know if he can get back to that. It's a it's a really tough league. And it changes a lot. You got to remember the type of, of play,
1: the type of receiver he is, too. The guy to go get it, exactly. big time play receiver. So it
2: it's taxing on your body. He's it's been a good out gamble. Of the league for a I while. think it's a good gamble. Yeah, it was a great move for the Ravens because realistically, there's n- no harm done if he doesn't pan out, and if he does, you have yourself a receiver in a receiving core where really nobody's stood out so far this year. I think it was it was a high a low risk, high reward move for them but I just don't know if he could pan out. I would rather take a chance on Antonio Brown than him. I'm going to
1: bet my house. I'm going to put the the money on it, and I'm going to say he's going to thrive.
2: I think this move
0: just smells desperation out of the Ravens. They know they don't have a receiver. They know they can't trade for anybody. Well, they probably can, but they haven't. And that's the weakest position on their roster. When you look at their secondary, their linebackers, their defensive line, offensive line, tight ends, running backs, quarterback. Wide receiver is the only position that they desperately need. Hollywood Brown hasn't been that guy worthy of how high they picked him and this move was a desperation move. Des Bryant hasn't had a 1000-yard receiving season since 2014. And in 2010 when he was coming into the, coming out of the draft, he ran a 45240-yard dash. So he isn't a burner. He isn't really fast. So what? Where? It's ten years later now. He hasn't played in three years. He tore his Achilles, I yeah, think, in New Orleans he the before he got to play. After a torn Achilles, after having these injuries, not being a number one since twenty fourteen, and, and and when you said twenty seventeen, he had eight hundred yards. He that was a really up and down season. I remember that yeah. season. With Tony that, Romo. No, nah, that was with Dak. Oh, that, was that? that was Dak's wow. rookie year, I believe. That that season, there was a lot of conflict between him and Dak because Dez kind of thought he was better wait, than was he that was. The, that, was yeah. that
1: the catch that year?
0: Uh, I'm not sure, but but I know that... Uh, wait, what catch are you talking about?
1: With, uh, against Green Bay? No, nah, that wasn't it. That oh, was with then? Romo. Okay.
0: But Dez hasn't been... He's He hasn't been a number one since 2014. You can he's, say he was barely a number two in 2017, and he's coming off of injuries in twenty twenty. The game has completely changed. He can't burn anybody. I I would not bet on
2: Des Bryant. Yeah, and, and, and he was a he was never a burner. And you look at this Ravens offense that is so run and gun and they have burners. Yeah. Predicated on you know, fast moving and, and getting up and down the field. And Des Bryant is not that.
0: Yeah. Willie Sneed, Hollywood Brown, Devin they Deuner, Duvernay,
2: they have guys that are really fast. And I just don't see where Dez fits in that system. Like you said, though, it's not a bad gamble because if he if he doesn't work out, there's no harm yeah. done to you. But I just I like you said, I wouldn't bet on it. And another thing that you mentioned is even in Dallas towards the end, there was a lot of conflict because I think that he you know he had a little bit of an inflated ego based on his first couple of years, and he he didn't really keep up that production, but he still wanted to be treated like that number one guy. And I, I wonder if that's not going to happen here. If he starts to play well, you know, is it going to be a situation like we talked about last week, Odell in Cleveland, where Lamar Jackson is going to feel like he has to force feed the ball to Des Bryant. You know, maybe not, but it's another thing to look out Absolutely. for in, in a, yeah. a, a lot of the negatives that stack up on the paper. In my opinion, it's just they just got Dez maybe
0: for jump ball situations in the goal line, some goal line fades. But I I don't really see Dez Bryant really making much of an impact. If he does, then, I mean, I hope he does and he proves me wrong, but I just don't see it because it's been so long. Maybe he has an Alden Alden Smith-type comeback where he's just, oh, he hasn't played in X amount of years, and he's just good off the bat. But Alden Smith got out of the league because of off-the-field problems. Dez... It was a combination of ego, but also he got injured and never really got to get
2: another opportunity. I was excited for him in New Orleans when, when he got that contract, and I thought he would have fit really well with the Saints that year in a nice receiving core. He and that, I feel like that was kind of his last chance to really make something happen. Mm-hmm. Another move that happened, it just happened today, Carlos Dunlap
0: got traded to Seattle. They needed a move like this. <laughs> no, they, needed, they needed a pass rusher because they don't have one. Right now, they're 16th in pass rush win rate and they're 29th in pressure rate. So they don't get after the quarterback at all. Against Arizona, they had zero sacks and they had no cube quarterback hits. And that's just bad production out of that group. So how much better do you think Carlos Dunlap is going to make this Seattle Seahawks defense?
1: You said the number was at 16.
0: Their 16th in pass rush win rate and their 29th in pressure rate.
1: I think he moves them to, what, 27th in pressure rate? Like 15th or 14th? And so I don't think he makes that big gap that they need him to, but I think it'll help a little bit.
2: I'll say this. He alone might not make that big gap, but you get him on the field, you get Jamal Adams back, and I think that the defense gets good enough that you can be a— You—, you weren't high on them as Super Bowl contenders in the last episode.
1: Yeah, you did. I, I watched that. You said that. You kept talking about Tampa, Tampa, Tampa. That's all as I can hear you talking about. I Tampa thought Tampa, that Tampa, team, Tampa, I thought Tampa, that Tampa.
2: even just getting Jamal Adams back could make them a, a legit Super Bowl contender. Bringing in Carlos Dunlap gives you another, another player on that defense that can really change the game depending on what he is when he comes here. You know, is he going to be the player that we know he can be? Or is he going to be the player that we've seen in Cincinnati so far this year that hasn't really lived up to what a lot of people hoped he would be? If he can hit that potential, again, the Seahawks aren't going to have a top-five defense, might not even have a top-ten defense, but I think the defense can be solid enough that with the offense being as prolific as it is, they can be a Super Bowl contender.
0: I wasn't high on Seattle last episode, and I'm definitely not high on them after this move either. I think it was just a whatever move. I mean, Carlos Dunlap, one, if Jamal Adams is there, I don't think their defense can be good enough still. Because the reason they get torched so much is because they have no pass rush. Carlos Dunlap has one sack this year. He's a career 7-9 to sack guy. He's not an elite player. He's not a game-changing player. And if you have guys on that defensive line that aren't very good, and now you add in a good player that can be great on some nights, it's still not doing much because they can probably key in on him and double him. They need to add another pass rusher. And there's some on the market right now. to McKinley is one of them in Atlanta, former first-round pick that they can add. But I don't think Carlos Dunlap Dunlap really adds anything that's going to make them even a mediocre defense going forward. Like, this isn't... This isn't what he once, once was. This isn't a career achievement award, you know, because he leads the Bengals all time in sacks. Wow. He leads them all time in sacks, but that's not him now. <laughs> what are you getting in 2020? And you're not getting a player that is a great to I an mean, elite player you're that's going to change your defense. You're getting a
1: player that's better than every guy you got on your D-line right now. So it's it's a plus nonetheless. I mean, it's... It's probably not going to do much in a sense. And if you still going to be all on Russell to do what he needs to do to get them a win, down the stretch. But still, it's, a, it's an okay move nonetheless.
0: I mean, in 2019, he was tied for third with a PFF grade of 89.7. Dunlap? Yep. He had an 89 run defense grade and a 77.8 pass rush grade. So he's more of a run defender than he is a pass rusher. And at this point, they, they need both. Yeah. So even if they could get him stopping the run as good as as he's done, then, you know, they'll have something. But I don't think it moves them into top 15 defense. Maybe they'll be like the 20th ranked defense now. Or if they, granted, they have Jamal and him and everybody healthy, like the 20th ranked defense. But I don't see them being a top 15 ranked defense.
2: Let me ask you something. And this this can kind of segue to our next segment a little bit. But a guy whose name has been rumored in maybe some moves, from New England, arguably the best cornerback in the league, Stephon Gilmore, if they can go out and get him, what do you think about this defense? Woof.
0: Woof. Well, the Woof. defense Woof. Woof. Uh, would get better, but I think that move is super unrealistic.
1: Wait, hold on. I have a question. You said that Tampa would destroy Seattle. That's what you said. They would. And you said because Tampa's defense is great, right?
0: And their offense is great as well. Okay.
1: It's both. Is Tampa's defense this year better than the Niners defense last year?
0: It's really close.
1: Did you know in the two meetings that they faced Russell Wilson, they split it and the last one they lost because they the Russell Wilson lost because they stopped him at the goal line, right? Okay. So what makes you think that you're just Tampa's just gonna outright destroy Seattle when they play? Like
0: can Seattle stop Tampa's offense? Can can Seattle keep up with Tampa if they offensively? Going, I definitely no, if they're, they No, can. if they if they're going score for score, Tampa Bay scoring fast, can Seattle do the same thing on that elite defense? I don't think they can. I don't
1: think that Tampa can stop Russell Wilson.
0: I think they can. I
1: don't, I don't,
0: I don't. That's a bold bet.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think I, if they you can. if you saying if if you saying the Bucks defense is probably around the same as the Niners defense last year, which was legendary. We can all agree it was legendary and Russell Wilson put up probably two of the best games that they played last year against them with probably – his team was probably worse last year than it was this year, then that's a pretty bold
0: team. I don't think Seattle's team was worse last year. I think Defensively, so Defensively, no way. I think
1: offensively because everybody's better this year than they were last yeah. year.
0: I don't think everybody's better this year. I just think they've been put in a different system because last year they were much more run-oriented. That
2: would, that would also make them better, though, Then yeah, now but playing also, to their strengths. But
0: also last year when they're much more run-oriented – they get to chew the clock more. They don't, they don't put so much pressure on their offense or Russell Wilson to make a play every single drive. Yeah, tomato, tomato. So that's why. I don't think they're necessarily better. The only addition that they've got is Damian Lewis out of LSU and Greg Olson. And Greg Olson, he's he's well, good, but he's not.
1: It's well, what he it's once just was. it's not about like you know DK's just DK's better than DK's last year. Yeah, it's just about the players year. just got better. So I, I think that was a little disrespectful to Russell Wilson what you said. And I was watching, and I was just disgusted. no, they're
0: they're going to get destroyed because they can't keep up with Tampa. They can't, and you're going to see it. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's see, Seattle. I, I was, Seattle.
0: Yeah. Seattle. Seattle's going to disappoint everybody. I think Russell's going to prove wrong. I think that. And you, I'm not saying
1: Seattle's going to win. Yeah, I think you so could say—, gonna say the, How is he going to prove me wrong? I but think what would he do say, that proves me wrong? Not get destroyed?
2: I think you could say the Bucks can, can and should beat the Seahawks, but to say oh, yeah. they're going to get destroyed, They'll
0: get I think is a major stretch. I said embarrassed, and they they will get embarrassed. And I'm not saying Russell Wilson's going to get embarrassed. I'm saying the Seahawks.
1: Well, if the Seahawks get embarrassed, Russell Wilson gets embarrassed. Not really, because the the, C- the
0: Seahawks' defense can get embarrassed and put up and, and give up a bunch of points.
2: And Wilson could do the best he can, but at the end of the day, they lose. I just don't know why you're so confident that this Bucks defense can stop the Seahawks offense. Nobody's been able to because do it yet. Because their
0: personnel is amazing, and they have a great defensive coordinator in Todd Bowles. And I would not bet against a Todd Bowles-led defense. I'm not betting against a Russell Wilson-led
2: offense.
1: Which is more proven.
0: Brian Schottenheimer calling the plays. You could do what you want. But I just know that Tampa is the best team in the NFC right now. We're ah. going to talk about the trade deadline.
1: I, what can't, team, I can't wait to get the NFL priority. What again.
0: team should we make it? What, what team should make a move at the deadline? And who should they trade <clears throat> for? Wherever I want to hear what team you have first and the plan that you should trade first.
1: Why you always want to hear me?
0: Because it's natural, it's natural <laughs> instinct. The um, person to your right of you, you're more inclined to Is just, it really? I mean, you're more inclined to look to the right side of your screen.
1: So what if you're a lefty?
0: It's still I think it's still right.
1: Wow. Um yeah. the us Eagles, obviously Eagles, I think we need to make an addition for a receiver. We need to get Alshon Jeffrey up the books. That's what that's what I think we need. I think we need to go for a veteran receiver, somebody who can take the top off, maybe somebody who can stay healthy because Alshon and Deshaun Jackson have not been healthy. And that's yeah, that's about it. That's the only team I've been thinking about for like two days.
2: I think that one move I've heard, you know through the grapevine, heard some people talking about. I know the Texans are looking to deal some guys, and one team that I think that should be hitting their phone is the Green Bay Packers. If Will Fuller is available, I think he could add another dimension to that offense because outside of Devontae Adams, especially missing Aaron Jones, I am I heard he might be back this week, but if he doesn't come back the same, Devontae Adams is the only weapon they have in that entire offense. Beyond Adam Lazard him, is pretty good. He's he He's been solid, but he's been a little inconsistent, and I think that adding Will Fuller would just give another dimension to that offense and make them very difficult to stop, especially when you look at the NFC. A lot of games they're going to have to play in come playoff time, the Seattle Seahawks, it'll be a shootout. So if you can add weapons to that offense, I'm sure the asking price would not be that high for Will Fuller. I think that would be a solid move for them. I was going to say the same thing. I think
0: Will Fuller fits the Packers. And they need to make a move for a receiver since they didn't draft yeah. one, and that's something they should have done. It was a mistake. Yeah, it was a mistake. But I think if you have a combination of Will Fuller, Devontae Adams, Adam Lazard, you can kind of line up Devontae in the slot and have Fuller go deep on some mm-hmm. goals. Absolutely. And Adam Lazard as well. <laughs> that's dangerous. He's, Adam Lazard's pretty good at jump balls, and he's been injured, so he has to come come back first. But they also got this other guy, uh, Tunyon who's a pretty good tight end. He's been emerging as well. So they just need to add something to their offense because at this point, they can't really add anything to their defense. They're most vulnerable against the run. And I don't think there's any linebacker that's going to fix that, that can come to Green Bay and fix that instantly. But you can definitely improve your offensive firepower so you can put up points with the best of them.
2: And I think that's what they're missing. I would love to see Will Fuller going deep with Aaron Rodgers throwing to him in an offensive line, which is something that Sean Watson has lacked pretty much his whole time there in Houston. So, And that's really what Will Fuller is. He's a burner. So if you can get him some time to run a route downfield and have Aaron Rodgers, one of the best deep ball throwers, maybe ever throwing the football to him. And then you have Devontae Adams as you know a release on some of those routes. <laughs> that would be scary. I mean the, the Texans are shopping everybody. They want to they're shopping Kenny
0: Stills. JJ Watt. They've been reports about Brandon Cooks. JJ Watt is one of them. So if the Packers could get any of these guys, a Cooks, Fuller Stills, yeah. I think maybe a John, really maybe a John Ross from Cincinnati and see what he can do. Dante Pettis from the 49ers. Alshon Jeffrey, maybe, yeah, A.J. Been.
2: Green, and I think something that. like that. The Eagles should also be looking at a bunch of those guys too, because like you mentioned, they're weak at receiver, and any of those guys would help out in that receiver. They're pretty court. weak at quarterback too. You seen you seen that guy? <laughs> but the thing about it is I think the
0: the Packers, just like the Patriots, they should be looking to to get a wide receiver because you need the Patriots need to help out Cam. Cam, Cam is. Alone right now there. They have no weapons. They need somebody to pair with Edelman. Do you think that that's the direction they're going to go in? I'm not sure if they are. And
2: I would say no, but I think that they should. Because I can see them being sellers more than I can see them being buyers at this deadline. I can see
0: it too. I mean, the deadline, when does it end? It ends Tuesday or Wednesday, right?
2: Yeah.
1: Tuesday or
0: Wednesday? 4 p.m. on Tuesday, November 3rd. Mm-hmm. But like I said as well, I think another move it would be to carry McKinley to the Seahawks. If Any, you get
2: anything for that Seahawks defense, really,
0: if you get McKinley and Carlos Dunlap, then I'll I'll say, oh, you know, I'll take back my statement about the Seahawks getting embarrassed. But
1: oh, you're just you're gonna eat your words sooner than later.
0: And nah, trust me, I've been right about Carson Wentz so far. I'm not worried about this. The, the fact you've been right about. What's your record? <laughs>
1: What were you right about though? I don't. What did you like? What do you well, right I, about? remember
0: I, when I said Dak was better, um, which he is. Look at look at how much the Cowboys are collapsing right now without him.
1: It's not like they were winning with him either.
0: When when Wentz when Wentz goes wait, down, wait, 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 Nick wait, wait, Foles wait, wait. wins.
1: That was like three years ago, bro. What happened last year?
0: What happened last year with
1: what? When Dak Dak played last year, and so did Wentz.
0: No, yeah, they lost. Oh, but right now they look like the worst team in the NFL.
1: Wait, but One Dak of was of losing teams. when he was playing though. It's not like he was winning. He was losing too. You know that, right?
0: But he is better than Carson Wentz.
1: But don't make it seem like he was winning when he was, like they were losing regardless. Like he
0: has more wins than Wentz, and he's actually percentage wise
2: better as well.
1: He's played more games too, though.
0: It's the, it's the weekly and less interceptions. He has less interceptions in more games as well. It's the Good weekly
1: Joel and Riv Eagles bickering. He has less interceptions in more games than who? Are you talking about this year? Dak, or long?
0: No, Dak Prescott has less interceptions than
2: Carson Wentz for his career.
1: Oh, but oh, oh, oh I get what you're saying. Okay, okay.
2: To your point, bringing it back to the subject, the Falcons are sitting Tack McKinley on Thursday against the Panthers. Probably, so, have,
0: Yeah, they got a plan to trade him then, I guess so. I,
2: I'm sure there's no other reason.
0: And he's a rental because he's yeah. on his last year of his rookie contract, so they're not going to pay him long-term, any team that gets him. So I'd do it, and I don't think
2: it costs too much to get him as well, and he has huge potential. No, not at all. And the Seahawks are well beyond going for it. Like, they are all in on this team you could see you know in the Jamal adams trade alone look at how much they gave up for him they better be because tampa's going to be a rude awakening for them if they come in with that
0: roster we're going to go on to our last segment of the show nfl power rankings week eight we're not going to name all 32 teams we're just going to name our top 10 teams each of us are going to go
1: we're starting at 10 right
0: uh yeah, starting at ten, going to one.
1: Drum roll, please.
0: So my first team is number ten. I have the Buffalo Bills at number ten.
1: Oh wow, okay. the Buffalo
0: Bills are in my tenth ranked team. I feel like they haven't been impressive. They haven't really faced great competition when they have against the Titans and Chiefs. They didn't look so good against the Jets. Jets this past week, it wasn't a, wasn't an impressive win. So I have the Bills at ten. Then at nine, I have the 49ers. Oh, wait, you're
1: going like that?
0: I mean, I, we can go either way. It doesn't matter to me.
1: Oh, uh, because I don't want to forget everything you said when you go and then I go, because I'm going to forget everything you said when you gonna, go 10 I'm, I'm
0: writing down what you said. That's that's why I'm going it like this, because I feel like I'll do mine first, you'll do yours, and then you'll do yours.
1: Okay, yeah. okay.
0: So then my next team, number nine, I have the 49ers, number nine. They're finally getting healthy. Their win over the pass was impressive. Debo's back. Brandon I, Uke looks impressive. And even without Raheem Osser, Jeff Wilson stepped in, and he's playing really well, so I have them at 9. Number 8 is the Cardinals. Their win over Seattle, I think, placed them into the top 10. Kyler Murray looks phenomenal. Their defense looks really good as well, and that's why I have them at 8. Titans are at 7. Their loss to the Steelers, coupled in with their defense, who, who haven't been so impressive, I have them at the 10, 9, 8, and 7 spot. For the sixth spot, I have the Packers. Their loss to Tampa really moved them down. Their win over the Texans. It wasn't impressive. I mean, it, it was impressive to an extent, but this didn't move them up the list for me, and it's not going to move them down either. So then I have one, two, three, four, five. My fifth team is the Seattle Seahawks because they lost to Arizona. They still don't have a defense. They're at five because I still love and trust Russell Wilson to carry the load and finish out the season strong. Then at number four, I have the Ravens. Mm. I just feel like the Ravens are super vulnerable when they can't get the run going, when they start facing these better teams like the Steelers, which I'm predicting the Steelers to win that game. They can't win because they have to play from behind, and that's not Lamar Jackson's strength. And I don't think they can beat any of these top teams I have ahead of them. For Number three, I have the Steelers. Their win over the Titans was impressive. They're the only undefeated team left and the Steelers have a top 10 offense and defense in the league. Number two is the Kansas City Chiefs. They beat Baltimore. They they Who else did they beat? They beat the Bills. They've had some impressive wins. They're also the reigning Super Bowl champion. That's why I have them at two, but nobody can beat this first team. My number one team is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. After acquiring Antonio Brown, they are by far the best team, the number one team in the NFL. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Gronk, who's coming into his own, Ronald Jones, Rojo, Tom Brady, AB, a top five defense. It's a no-brainer that this team is the best team in the NFL and the best team by far in the NFC.
1: That was cool. That's a pretty cool list. Um, it's wrong. But um, this is a cool list, <clears throat> uh, Jack. You ready? Or you want me to? You go. <sighs> so I did this off like just last week, so excuse me. But um, number ten, I got your uh your your fans, your lover boys. I have the Titans at ten. I feel like that that L the first real the Bills was competition, but that was their first real competition at the top of the AFC, and they failed. They lost. Number nine, I'm going to go with the Cards. I feel like they jumped into the top ten with a very impressive win against the Seattle Seahawks. Eight, I'm going to go with the Saints. I feel like they've just been tre- treading on good water. They've been getting a couple wins, getting healthy, getting back on track. Seven, I have the st- uh, Seahawks. They dropped a little bit with that loss against the Cardinals. Six, I'm going with Green Bay. Green Bay got a solid win against a pretty bad team, but nonetheless, a win is a win. Five, I, that's where I put... Baltimore, I have Baltimore at five. Oh, wait. No, 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 no. Pardon me. Pardon me. Run that back. Five is the Seahawks. (laughs) Five is the Seahawks. Pardon me. Six. Yeah, five is the Seahawks. Pardon me. Four, I have the Ravens. Pardon me. Four is the Ravens. I feel like they've been also treading on good water, just getting wins, getting back to it. Three, like we said before, I have the Steelers. I feel like they're undefeated, but they didn't really play anybody yet other than the Titans, and they almost blew that game. Number two, I don't know what's wrong with you. That's where I have your Bucks. They are the second best team in the league. You like to they, you like to go high on their defense. They haven't when they played competition. They've lost twice, so I don't see against who
0: the Bears
1: and the Saints and the
0: Saints. Yeah, you don't think the Raiders are probably as good as the Bears?
1: Didn't you just say when they played? Okay, all right. All right, I don't think the Raiders are that great. I mean, we can cancel both of them teams out, and they beat the Packers and they lost to the Saints, so they're one and one. They dominated the Packers. Yeah, the team that you have in
0: your top ten, and the Bears aren't in your top ten, so the Packers
1: aren't competition. I mean, I had the Bears as competition until you tried to jump the Raiders in there. But
0: you said zero and two. But wouldn't the Packers be competition? That's
1: a good point. That's a good point. You're right. That's a good point. So one and two. I'm sorry, oh. and dominated, dominated. They dominated, lost twice, and that defense has locked up the Broncos and the pretty weak teams. Good job. They let the Chargers score forty-one of them. The number one team in the league, and it's still, it's still that guy, Patrick Mahomes, Super Bowl winning team, the Chiefs. I have them at number one. They're going to be number one for a very long time until somebody could take them off the top. So that's my list.
2: This is tough for me, and I- I'm glad we didn't go to fifteen because. Even the, well, I almost wish we went to 15 because the 10th spot was very, very hard for me. And I almost debated between like four teams at 10. So I want to first give an honorable mention spot shared by two teams, the Rams and the Bears. They were two teams I was debating on top 10. I think they could easily be considered top 10. And then at number 10, I have two teams that I think could either be flip-flopped, the Saints and the Bills. Both of them, although I think they have the potential to be top five teams in the league, haven't shown that so far this season. They've been a little bit disappointing, but at any point, I think that either of those teams could be a top five team in the league. At nine, I'm going to go Niners. I think they're getting back healthy, and you saw last year healthy. Although they're a different team, last year healthy, they were a Super Bowl contender. Um, and, And when they have been healthy this season, they've looked really good. So getting them back healthy, I think the biggest thing against them is their division. Uh, Number eight, I have the Cardinals, a huge win against the Seahawks. I was really impressed with them. They've been up and down like a seesaw ride at the start of the season, but I'm high on Kyler Murray. I said at the beginning of the year, I know Joel agreed with me, I think they're going to be a playoff team. Coming in at seven, I have the Titans. I'm still high on them. I I took them down a few notches after the loss to the Steelers, which... Even myself, I might have been a little bit unfair with how much I knocked them back. I'm still super high on them. I really like their defense. Uh, I love Mike Vrabel as a coach, and Tannehill has been having an MVPs campaign, but that loss really hurt them in my eyes, at least in the eyes of my power rankings, I should say. (laughs) Number six, I have the Ravens, a team that, again, I was talking about them before, and I almost wish I had put them higher on this list, but it's just where they fell when I was ranking them. I still think they're one of the best teams in the league. They, had, You know what they are. Come playoff time, it's going to be a question mark, just like it was last year. Can they answer the challenge this year? And like many other teams, we're going to find out a lot about them in the coming weeks, but I'm still high on them. I love Lamar Jackson. I can't understand all the hate he gets. I can understand it, but I think it's ridiculous. I have them at six. Then for my top five, I have the Packers at five. If they can add a weapon at the deadline, I think they will, they will be – Already, I think they're serious Super Bowl contenders. If they can add a weapon to the deadline, I think they can really compete for a Super Bowl. Aaron Rodgers looked terrific. Number four, I have the Seahawks. I know you've knocked them a lot for their defense, and while I don't think their defense is there yet, I do give them credit for the fact that they're missing Jamal Adams, who is a cornerstone of that defense right now. Russell Wilson has been incredible. That offense has been really great all season long. And it was a tough loss to the Cardinals, a really good team so far this season. That's why I didn't knock them down too far. Number three, and I debated on these top three teams, but (laughs) I ended up deciding on placing them on where I think they're actually at, not based on what I've seen so far this season. Mm. So I have the Steelers at three.
1: Okay, fair assessment.
2: If we were ranking it based on Who's had the best season so far? I would have the Steelers at one. Steelers at three, great defensive unit. Ben Roethlisberger has proven me totally wrong, and they have been the most impressive team this season. I just still can't put them ahead of, especially the team at number one and the team at number two, I fear more than the Steelers come playoff time. At number two, I got to have the Bucks. <laughs> oh, my God. You you said it all about them. A great defensive unit. They're, they're probably the most well-rounded team in football. It, Tom Brady has been proving all the haters wrong. He's been Tom Brady, the GOAT. There's not, not much else to say about it. And if Antonio Brown can come on to the field and actually make an impact, I might change my mind about these rankings because he's an all-pro talent. I just don't know if he can do that. So right now I'm going to keep them at two. And at number one, I have the Chiefs. Like I said at the beginning of the show, they were number. They were the Super Bowl champs last year. Patrick Mahomes is that dude. He's the best quarterback in football. Their offense is the out Bucks of this world. Them. I don't know any team in football that can stop them. And until they give me a reason to move them out of this spot, I'm going to keep them at number one.
1: They can't be stopped, man. But
0: the a, the Bucks, again, they're the going to stop
2: them. <laughs> I will say this. There are even some picks that I was just reading off, and I was like, man, I don't know about that. It was very hard to rank these teams. There are
0: some teams that are interchangeable. I mean, for me, the notable teams I left off were the Bears, the Saints, the Browns, and Colts.
1: Out of your top 10?
0: Yeah, I left them out of my top 10. You left the
1: Saints out of your top 10?
0: Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, have you seen them play this year? I don't think they're super impressive. I, I think they're right now. I think Joe's they're not category. at
1: their I think they're not at their peak and yet they're still five and two. Well what, four and two. What's their peak? Top five team in the league. I don't, I don't
0: think that's their peak.
1: No, I think they're a top five team in the league. I think they can be a top five. They're definitely better than the Packers at their peak. I don't think so. Well they beat your boys, so
0: week one. What a fluke win. That that was that was that was that was the. How, how Bucks. Was it a fluke
1: win? If you thought the Bucks were going to win, it was a fluke win because oh, the
0: that out. was the Bucs' first time together, first time on the field. And you picked the Bucks to win in a game,
1: and you picked the Bucks to win. Let me ask
0: this I question: I believe in Brady. How many? You th- thought Tom Brady didn't have any arm arm strength left? So.
2: How many of these teams do you think can actually compete for a title this season? Five,
0: three. I'm
2: saying, and I'll be generous. It's between here.
0: the Bucs, Chiefs, and Steelers for me. I like. I don't see the Ravens beating the Steelers. And I don't see any team in the NFC beating the Tampa Bay Bucks in the playoffs. I don't see that. I don't see that. And in the AFC, I don't see any team that can beat nope. the Chiefs or the Steelers come playoff time. That's just my opinion.
2: I'm going to say, in my mind, there's five definite competitors for a Super Bowl this year. You could stretch the list if you really wanted to be generous and say seven. What's your five? I have Chiefs, Bucks, Steelers, Seahawks, Packers. And then you could make an argument. If you said Ravens or Titans,
1: you, you, I wouldn't call you crazy. You would put the Packers over the Ravens?
2: Personally, right now. I based had, on what okay. I've seen. Based on what I've seen. Only because the Packers have played some better competition this year and, and proven themselves more. Okay. Right now.
1: I Chiefs, Bucks, Steelers, Ravens. Those are my four.
2: The Ravens, wow. But you know what I will say? for the I'll say six because the Ravens are in the AFC, and I think the AFC outside of the Chiefs is weaker than the NFC. It won't yeah. be as much of a dogfight. All they have to do, in my opinion, is get through either the Steelers or the Chiefs, depending on the how NF- the bracket
0: I falls. think the NFC is weaker than the AFC. Really? Yeah, when you look at the NFC, a lot of the teams that are at the top have really major have major weaknesses – the Packers, they can't stop the run. I think the they're Seahawks, deeper, though. The, the, Seahawks, a deeper conference. The, the Seahawks, they can't play defense to save their life. What other what the teams you have on there? The car knows of the 49ers, or you want to put the Saints. Like Rams. These teams have weaknesses. I think the Bucs are the most well-rounded team. When you talk about the AFC, you have teams who have much less weaknesses. The Steelers, the Chiefs, even the Ravens, to an extent. The only weakness on their team is at wide receiver. So between and then and then when you get to like the other teams like the Titans, Bills, and stuff like that, it's it's much closer. But in terms of the NFC, I think it's a one team. I don't race know. I think NFC, going to. The I school. think NFC
1: we could run eight nine deep teams yeah, down that can you, make the playoffs. When you look Don't, at it...
0: Yeah, but that can make the playoffs is different than competing for a Super Bowl. Well, I'm saying the NFC... I think is, the only team that can make the Super Bowl in the NFC is the, is the Buccaneers. I, I think what Riv is
2: getting at is a little is biased the, towards... There so. is eight or nine teams in the NFC that can really give you a competition in a playoff game. And when you look at the AFC, where the Ravens sit right now, the only two teams that I would have ahead of them in the AFC are the Steelers and the Chiefs. You could make an argument for the Titans... I wouldn't at this point in time. But they beat the Ravens. Who? The Titans.
1: When? Oh, you talking about last year. Last year. Personally, I'm just, I, look, I'm, I, I'm just looking. I don't, I wouldn't like, I know everybody likes the Dolphins. Like, I know you guys do, but that's, I wouldn't put, if they make the playoffs, I'm not, I don't believe in them to win that game. Like, and that, well, the it, Dolphins
0: pick, like, but they sit, the they sit, they sit right where now? the
1: Niners would sit in the NFC. And I think the Niners, if they are healthy and they walk into a, they can win a playoff game. That's what I'm saying. The NFC runs deep. Like, they're a deeper conference than the AFC. I think I, I I get what you're saying. AFC, top heavy, those three teams. Yeah, no weakness. NFC is like the Bucks are the only team with no weakness, real. But I think if talk about conference for conference, who's deeper? I think the NFC runs deeper, better teams than the AFC.
2: Yeah, right now when you look at the NFC in, in the 7, 8, 9, 10 is Rams, Saints, 49ers, Lions. And when you look at the AFC, it's... Colts, Dolphins, Raiders, Chargers. So I, I just think the NFC is deeper in terms of teams that are teams that can you, make the playoffs. Yeah,
1: that's yeah, that's and, what and, I was going and at.
2: can put up a fight in a playoff game. Maybe not be favored in playoff games, but can really you know make you grind one out in an early playoff. Game. Yeah, not like Super I mean, Bowl. One, but the one thing's for certain: the Eagles aren't on that list.
1: <laughs> We're gonna make the playoffs. Yeah, because. Because yeah. the division. Wait, but you happen. guys wouldn't make the playoffs in our oh, division. Oh, no, 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 so and, like, I, and I'm not I oh, okay. any I'm just that I'm they would. Because no. you love to throw these jokes, but, like, you have, like, seven different favorite teams. No, That's the why you be would,
2: The Jets would not make the playoffs in any division.
1: Yeah, we're going to make the playoffs. That's all that matters. Playoff team.
2: So this does it for this show.
0: I want to give a Patreon shout-out to Jai O'Connorado for pledging $15, our only Patreon Pledger. If you guys want to pledge, you guys can go to patreon.com.
1: Feel like we just get slash one Slash
0: pick aside podcast. So this is going to do it for this episode. We want to thank you guys for watching. If you guys can, like sus- like, and subscribe the video. Follow us on all media platforms, TikTok, Instagram. They're all at pick aside podcast. Thank you guys for watching and see you next time.
5: Hey guys, this is Al Galdi from the Al Galdi Podcast. In case you didn't know, the show that you're listening to right now, as well as my show, is part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Blue Wire was founded in 2018 on the concept that independent podcasts would be more successful if they worked together. Today, Blue Wire has grown to feature 300 shows led by former athletes, media professionals, and it advance. Over the past few years, Blue Wire has privately raised over $10 million to expand its team podcast network and business operations. Now, Blue Wire is raising another round on WeFund. WeFunder is a crowdfunding service that connects startups with investors. It's a cool platform that gives everyone the opportunity to be a part of a growing startup. You can invest for as little as $100. In other words, you don't have to be a millionaire to invest in cool companies on WeFunder. Blue Wire is raising money to expand its sales team and improve operations, which in turn will help this show continue to grow. If you would like to be a part of the Blue Wire investment round or want to find out more information, go to WeFunder.com slash Blue Wire. That's WeFunder.com slash Blue Wire.